one way to think about our practice, uh, practice of meditation, but really the practice of mindfulness, uh, it, it's a practice of uh, putting our attention somewhere. Uh, right mindfulness is putting our attention uh, in good places. Uh, so we could say that a lot of our practice is about where we put our attention, or a lot of our lives are really about where we put our attention. Mindfulness <coughs> gives us the capacity to put our attention where we so choose to put it. Uh, when we look and, you know, just consider our days, you know, you consider today, or consider the sitting, uh, you know, where do we put our attention? Where do we put our minds? Uh, you know, what the teachings would suggest, and I think that what we tend to see when we look at what we're doing with our minds, uh, for one thing, we put them a lot on uh, what's external, specifically external uh, sense experiences. So we put our minds a lot on you know, the television or the internet or the, uh, the phone. Uh, we put our minds a lot on the food that we're procuring or preparing or eating, uh, all the different sense experiences where we put our minds. Uh, and then we put our minds uh, on the things of our lives, so thinking about the things of our lives. Uh, so we kind of often say, you know, it's like jobs. We spend a lot of our time putting our mind on the thoughts about our jobs talk about it being jobs, relationships, for New Yorkers, apartments. Jobs, relationships, apartments. So we put our minds, uh, for the most part, uh, just kind of automatically, uh, without really much forethought, uh, on thinking about the things of our lives, thinking about jobs, thinking about relationships, thinking about apartments, thinking about all the different things of our lives. Think about where you put your mind today. What did you do with your mind today? Because that really you know, is what determines our happiness, where we put our minds, what we do with our minds. We put our minds in good places, we'll find happiness. If we put our minds in places that aren't so good for us, we'll suffer. So those are the kind of where we tend to put our minds. And you know, it's, it's like really important to see where you're putting your mind. What are you doing with your mind? Generally, it's on these things that are external, right? Outside of ourselves. These sense experiences or these uh, things of our lives, the jobs, relationships, and apartments. That, again, is what leads us to suffering. You know, we've been talking a lot lately about suffering uh, in terms of uh, the words that we use, you know, and you know, yesterday we talked in the Sutta study, we talked about this on our retreat about how Tanjef uh, translates uh, dukkha as stress. Uh, but there's a lot of different manifestations of suffering. What I tend to see a lot in observing others from the role of teacher, uh, which is my job, uh, to sort of diagnose 
our suffering, but you know, I see it in myself also, of course. Uh, you know, we spend a lot of time, most of our time, putting our minds on these external things, and what I see, uh, you know, at the risk of making a, a large general generalization, is that we're agitated. You know, we're agitated. You know, I mean, that is the form that a lot of our suffering takes: is this quality of agitation. Quality of agitation. Uh, another way to think about that would be anxiety. But it's kind of a good way to think about, like, where are you? Are you agitated? You know, are you agitated? Are you anxious? Because again, what I tend to see is that we're we're an agitated lot. You know? So can we be less interested in these things that are external? Can we be less interested in, you know, and those, are, you know, those things make us agitated, you know, the phone and picking it up and checking it and the internet and surfing and all that stuff makes us agitated. Uh, the, the chasing after sense experience and having to replenish it again and again makes us agitated. Thinking about jobs, careers, whatever, thinking about relationships, I mean, I don't think I'm going to get a lot of argument on this, you know. I mean, we're learning, of course, how to think about these things skillfully, but this is this leads to agitation. This leads to agitation. So, can we be less interested in uh, these things that are external and more interested in what's inside of ourselves? Less interested in what's external and more interested in what's inside of ourselves. So putting our minds more on what's inside of ourselves. Uh, in terms of you know, where to rest the mind, but also how to understand our experience, of course. Uh, but you know, ultimately, you know, where we find our goodness is inside of ourselves. Where we find goodness is inside of ourselves. Where we find happiness is inside of ourselves. I mean, those sense pleasures may help you. You know, we all need a certain amount of food, and certain things can brighten the mind and relationships and things. But ultimately, we're going to find happiness inside. We're going to find our goodness in the, in, in, inside of ourselves. So we could say that our practice is more of knowing what's inside and less of being concerned about what's outside. So, uh, you know, we use the breath. The breath is the way in. The breath as part of the body. The breath is the way in. So, you know, the Buddha's first instruction really is, you know, in mindfulness is to be mindfulness of the body by being mindful of the breath. Put the mind on the breath. Put the mind on the breath. You know, come out of the head. Come out of the, uh, the, you know, the incessant chasing after sense experience and bring the attention in and put the mind on the breath. You know, and as soon as we do that, there's a diminishment in agitation. I mean, that's the first thing. You know, that's, I also see that too, you know, uh, in my own experience, but also in looking at people who practice. You know, once you start to be able to put your mind on the breath, put your mind inside, uh, there's more calmness. We begin to experience more calmness. I mean, everybody really says that. You know, you're more calm now than before the meditation, right? 
I only felt a few breaths. There's probably a few, a few more than you felt before the meditation. But there's also the effort in terms of putting the mind inside. The effort, you know, you're not chasing after thoughts about these external things. Or you're not chasing after these sense pleasures, right? You're sitting here, quiet, still, uh, eyes closed, uh, and making this effort to put the mind inside, to put the mind inside on the breath. And, you know, there's less agitation, there's less anxiety. And what the Buddha tells us to do, of course, is to develop the breath, develop an easeful breath, a breath that has a quality of ease to it and a breath that's pleasurable. So, you know, we're already, by cultivating, coming to the breath, less anxiety, less agitation. Uh, By cultivating an easeful breath, we come into a deeper quality of uh, ease more tranquility. Uh, But most importantly, with the easeful breath, of course, and the pleasurable breath, and then opening the attention, of course, he tells us, then open the attention to the full body and develop an easeful abiding, a pleasurable abiding in the body. Once we are able to do that, then the mind is much more inclined to stay inside. The nature of the mind is to look for what feels good. Uh, If we cultivate an easeful and pleasurable abiding within, then the mind will be much more likely to stay inside. The Buddha said, even myself, I could not claim to uh, be able to resist external sense pleasure, or at least the temptation and the thoughts of external sense pleasure, until I developed an easeful and pleasurable abiding within. So when the breath and the body are easeful, then we're more and more able to know what's inside, to stay inside and to know what's inside. So, you know, our practice is a practice of uh, putting the mind on, uh, in good places, beginning with the breath and the body, and really kind of knowing what's inside, knowing what's inside. So, all right, well, there's the breath, uh, but as we begin to come in, well, what else? You know, well, you know, and of course, the inclination of our awareness, typically as it relates to the body, is to the pain in the body. So, you know, we're learning to be able, you know, that's one of the reasons why we stay away from the body. So we cultivate ease and pleasure in the body, and uh, we have to know that, those qualities, know those qualities. I was reading something Tom Jeff was saying, you know, as those qualities arise, just don't let them pass by. Focus on them. Focus on those qualities. So in the meditation, uh, the quality of ease begins to manifest. If it's in the breath, if it's in the body, as we're working with the body, recognize that quality of ease. Put your attention on it. Name it. Label it. That's how it develops. That's how it develops. And of course, what we're coming to know uh, is essentially our goodness within. And we're also coming to know an alternative to that external world with all of its agitation. But you have to know what's inside. You have to know what's inside. Then you start to have a choice that you really, seems like a really good choice that you're developing is like, well, there's all this external agitation 
Uh, but inside, there's a quality of ease. There's a quality of pleasure. So we learn to touch in, to touch into that uh, in the meditation, but also in all of our activities and all of our postures. So you know, you know, I always say it's you know, it's kind of like if you're external, your mind is on external things, sense pleasures, and thinking about jobs, relationships, and apartments. You know. 99.7% of the time, you know, if you can get it down to 98.3% of the time, that's really good, you know? <laughs> you know, and you chip away, you chip away, you chip away. So there's less time externally and more time internally and more time specifically internally on qualities of ease and pleasure. Because that, that has to be there. Uh, I mean, that's, that's when the path really starts to open up for us. That's when we're really, uh, like, I'm really on the path. I'm really starting to experience the qualities of ease and pleasure. Uh, I'm really starting to alleviate my suffering. I'm really starting to see that there's an alternative to suffering, that there's a way out of suffering. So it's very important as we go through the course of our day to touch in, to touch in. And of course, our ability to be able to touch into ease and pleasure depends uh, proportionally to how much we've cultivated ease and pleasure you know, in the meditation. You know? But everybody here has meditated. Everybody here has cultivated ease and pleasure to some extent. You know? And of course, we can do more. Uh, you know, a lot of the times, our issue is not so much whether or not those qualities are there. It's whether or not we're putting our attention on them. You know, whether or not we're putting our attention on them. So, uh, this talk is really about put your attention on these things. Put your attention on ease and pleasure as you go out throughout the course of your day. You can do it right now. You know, maybe you just touch into a quality of ease in the body. Maybe there's just part of the body where there's a sense of ease. Maybe it's the breath, maybe not. Maybe it's the arms, maybe it's the legs. Maybe you just touch in. Maybe there's a sense of well-being, of pleasure. Oh, there's pleasure. There's ease. That's a lot different than we tend to kind of go throughout our day. I feel like crap, the world sucks, my job, my relationship. So, you know, this is, this is what we're asked to do in developing the path, to be able to touch in to these qualities, to put more focus on what's internal, the quality of ease, the quality of pleasure and well-being that's internal, 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 to be able to touch into that. So as we come more within, concentration develops. Uh, we're able to come out of the head more and be more in the body so there's less agitation. Uh, and when we're in the body and there's a sense of ease and well-being in the body, then we are in a position to understand our suffering, you know, largely by looking inside. And you know, we have a sense of ease here, but you know, there's also the pain of suffering that we experience in the body, the pain of clinging. We're in a position where we can understand our, look at our clinging, our aversion and desire, or look at how, as the Buddha put it, we grieve over being joined with what we find displeasing and separated from what we find pleasing. That's that agitated mind, right? Of all those things. So we can begin to understand how we, we grieve over being joined with what's displeasing and separated with what's pleasing. We can see the pain in that. We can see that we don't have to hold on to that. There's less clinging. When there's less clinging, there's more stillness. There's more stillness. So we go out, come out of the mind, 
out of the thinking realm, out of the chasing after sense pleasures into the body, we begin to come into tranquility as we stay in the body more and more. There's more tranquility as we're in the body and we take our concentration and put it to good use in the service of discernment and understanding our suffering and clinging, uh, there's more stillness. There's more stillness. There's more stillness inside. So this is kind of the, uh, the development uh, of, uh, of uh, the awareness internally that we seek to develop. Uh, first, just the breath, you know, the body, then the qualities of ease and pleasure. Can we touch into them? And then stillness, stillness, stillness. So we learn in the meditation to be able to touch into stillness. You know, and again, all of us have been practicing, uh, you know, stillness is there, you know, and again, it's your capacity to connect to it is uh, proportional to how much you practice, but, you know, stillness is there. Again, that's not often the issue. The issue is we're not inclining to it. We're not seeking to know stillness, to know stillness. Obviously, it's a very countercultural exercise, right? How was your day? Oh, I really dropped into stillness. <laughs> you know? That's the place of, you know, and, and stillness, I mean, stillness technically is, you know, there's, you know, there's ease and there's pleasure. These are the qualities of, you know, internal assurance, concentration. Uh, and then, you know, even on a more evolved level, there's stillness or equanimity. So equanimity, you know, is, is, you know, is, is characterized by stillness. You know, that stillness is like that close to unbinding. It's just the other side of unbinding. You know, it's still a conditioned state, uh, but, you know, as you drop into more and more letting go of clinging, you know, and really the way that you do that is by uh, deepening into stillness deepening into stillness. So even in the meditation, you come into stillness, and it's like, you know, what's interfering with the stillness? It's like I came into some still, came into stillness in this meditation, quiet, well, what's interfering with that? Oh, there's a little anxiety about having to give the Dharma talk, okay? I can put that to the side. So it's, you know, this process of, you know, it's, it's you know, deepening, deepening into stillness, and, and, you know, ultimately there's that complete stillness of unbinding, of the peace of unbinding. But, you know, knowing that is something that we can know, but, you know, knowing that quality of concentration that we characterize as stillness is something that you need to know. You need to know. You need to develop that as a meditator. So to know stillness in the meditation, but also in life. Also in life, can you touch in? This is our practice, to know stillness in all of our activities in life. You know, and this again, I would submit to you is something that you could do. It's just, you know, to a large extent, you know, our happiness is dependent on, you know, where we put our attention and that is, you know, like what's our priority? For most of us, our priority are the sense pleasures and the jobs, relationships, and apartments. You know, for the Dharma student, ostensibly, you know, the priority is what's inside. 
You know, and of course, understanding that all those sense pleasures and jobs and relationships and apartments are impermanent and don't last and are subject to birth and death. You know, ultimately, we come into this place of stillness. Uh, we come more and more you know, in, in, in that place of pure stillness. There is no movement. There's no coming and going. There is no birth and death. And that's the place of true happiness. So you know, we're asked as, as Dharma students to make that a priority, make stillness a priority. So inclined to this knowing, you know, less and less about the external. You know, and, and again, think of it more in terms of touching in. You know, as we go through our days, can we touch in more and more? More and more can we be in a place of stillness? You know, we may say again, well, you know, maybe you can do that, or maybe the person sitting next to me who looks like they've been meditating longer than I have can do it. First, I have to fix the problems of my life. And really, the subtext there is first I have to deal with the jobs, relationships, and apartments, and then I'll worry about stillness. Well, if that's your attitude, for you're never going to get there. You're never going to get there. Those things are never going to get fixed. You know? Uh, you know, I have to alleviate all my suffering. Not true. Not true. When you alleviate all your suffering, then it will be just stillness. You know? But on that road to just stillness, you know, there's the capacity that deepens and develops of being able to touch more and more into stillness. So the more we practice, stillness is there, and we can touch into it amidst the turmoil of life. I mean, this is when things really kind of get interesting. You know, things are difficult, you're experiencing something difficult, uh, and there's still stillness there. You know, there's room for both, right? I mean, I've talked about this a lot in the context of my mother passing away, uh, getting close to two years now. And, you know, there being that, you know, pain and suffering, you know, that's attendant to sickness and aging and death and separation. Uh, but at the same time, there was a place of stillness. There was a place of stillness where I could reside. All the time, no. But I could reside there. And, you know, coming into that peace is extraordinarily healing. And it also uh, enables us to, to know that there is a way out of pain. That, in and of itself, is all we really need to know. So, you know, it's a culture, you know, this is a very countercultural teaching. It's a culture inclined to sort of just the opposite of stillness, to movement, to speed. You know, more and faster, more and faster, faster internet, more images. You know, we're preoccupied with, uh, you know, we're constantly in motion, right? Constantly in motion, constantly in motion. You know, we can be in motion and there can be pure stillness. You know, but we just have to be less preoccupied with the motion. You know, we're preoccupied with moving, with coming and going, with grasping after things, after pleasures, after all those thoughts, those narratives about our lives. So we're in this constant process of movement, agitated movement. You know, we're in this constant movement that's very agitated. So. You know, we can think of this quality of stillness as sort of being, uh, uh, you know, the cessation of that kind of movement. You know, there's no movement, there's just, just, just this, just this moment, just this quality of peace. So we come to know this place of no movement, stillness. The Buddha puts it this way. For one who clings, motion exists. 
but for one who clings not, there is no motion. Where no motion is, there is stillness. Where stillness is, there is no craving. When no craving is there, there is neither coming nor going. Where no coming or going is, there is neither arising or passing away. Where neither arising or passing away is, there is neither this world nor a world beyond, nor a state between. This, verily, is the end of suffering. So for one who clings, motion exists, but for one who clings not, there is no motion. Where no motion is, there is stillness. So learn to know what's inside. Learn to place a priority more and more on what's inside. Learn to know stillness. Know stillness. Know stillness. This is our practice. Know stillness.